Hello, welcome to the Talking Michigan Transportation Podcast. I'm Jeff Cranson. Today I'm going to be talking again with Lieutenant Mike Shaw of the Michigan State Police. He's the public information officer in the Metro Detroit District. And he always has a, a great deal of insight about what's going on with various things related to speeds and crashes and overall law enforcement. Very recently, the state police and other police agencies around Michigan have joined many across the country in implementing the use of license plate readers to identify and find vehicles driven by people believed to have been involved in some kind of crime. Advocates of this technology will tell you that this is not facial recognition, this is not about invading the privacy of innocent people, but that it's an important tool to take bad people off the streets. The American Civil Liberties Union has expressed concerns about privacy while conceding that it probably is a good law enforcement tool and maybe leads to better public safety. So he's gonna talk about that first and, and how it's worked so far uh, with the license plate readers in Metro Detroit. And then we'll talk a little bit too about what we're seeing with crashes and speeds. I spoke to him in the height of the pandemic when speeds increased dramatically as there were fewer people on the road and people just were driving faster. And the trends show that that hasn't really declined despite a return of most of those vehicles to the Michigan roads. First Lieutenant Mike Shaw of the Michigan State Police. We haven't spoken in a while, actually. It was a few years ago during the, the height of the pandemic when we first saw traffic uh, you know, drop dramatically on the freeways. But unfortunately, with that came a rise in speeds. And I, I want to talk to you a little bit about what's going on with the crash numbers later. But first, the topic of the day, it's on a lot of people's minds, is, is license plate readers. Um, I know you've done quite a few media interviews on the topic and you uh, have, you know, looked into it and explained well, I think, the the benefits of this and and why it could uh, really be a help in terms of public safety. So do you want to you want to give me your your pitch? Sure. Uh, so I think a lot of people, anytime that technology advances, we all get a little nervous about it. I mean, uh, we're not even talking about license plate readers anymore. We're talking about AI and, you know, how it's going to take everybody's job and kids are going to be able to cheat in school and stuff. So as we kind of work through these processes of getting this technology, the best thing is to really talk about it and use facts, you know, not a lot of you know, nervous talk or anything like that. And, and the fact of these license plate readers is, is first of all, uh, the Michigan State Police, Mike Shaw, uh, I don't care what you're doing every day. Um, that's Amazon. That's your cell phone. That Those are the folks that care about what you're doing every day. Um, what we're using these tools for is pretty simple. Um, we've seen a, a rise in, in road rage incidents on our freeways. And unfortunately, we've also seen a rise in freeway shootings. And a lot of time, um, they're not random freeway shootings, but they're criminal activity that starts somewhere else, right up in the neighborhoods or, or something, and then ends up onto the freeway. And a lot of times the victims aren't more cooperative in theirs because they're part of this criminal activity, right? So what these license plate readers do actually allow us to look at the vehicles that witnesses give us something like that, go into these license plate readers and actually see what's going on, um, see the cars that match that description. And again, 
investigative lead, right? You don't get arrested just because your license plate shows up on a license plate reader. That gives the detective something to work on from evidence that they've gained from the scene already. Uh, one thing we wanted to make sure when we started this pilot project, and you know, we've had license plate readers in Michigan probably for about the last 10 to 12 years. So using border areas, things like that. Um, but now we're doing this pilot project in the Metro Detroit area to kind of see if it can help us curtail some of that activity. So that's what we're using them for as far as that goes. Um, also, they are useful in the latest Amber Alert that we had where we were able to track that suspect uh, that was coming from Lansing down into the Metro Detroit area. Uh, those license plate readers were able to pick up that vehicle as it went along and allow you know police to kind of track that person down and, and finally bring them into custody. So it has a lot of good purposes, but uh, it's not to figure out where you're going or what you're doing every day. Uh, we're, we're too busy for that. Well, you know, <laughs> when we talk about different funding methods and road user charges and mileage based user fees and things like that, that would, you know, charge how many miles by how many miles we drive rather than the, the fuel tax, which is a diminishing resource. Um, people often cite that that fear of, uh, you know, I'm being tracked yet. We all carry uh, at least one electronic device with us every day that tracks our every move. So I, I've never understood how people concerned about the privacy of that reconcile, you know, their electronic devices. I suppose there are some people out there that refuse to carry a, a cell phone, but not very many. Um, talk a little bit about what you how often do you see cars without a license plate? Because I got to believe that the bad guys are always trying to stay one step ahead. So not often yet. Um, that was a fear. Uh, you know, we kind of weighed some of the the issues of are we going to talk about this you know super openly and uh, one of the things I've done since I've been the public information officer for MSP is we've been totally transparent about everything that we've we've done in the department and we kind of weighed both you know do we tell the public that we're increasing these license plate raiders and take a chance of you know criminals taking their license plate off or going to look for these license plate readers and actually destroy them. Um, that's why we're very reluctant to give locations and things like that, or even describe what they look like, um, because we have seen that. We've had a couple destroyed in the pilot program where, you know, in areas that they've been very effective, uh, criminals have gone out to look for those uh, license plate readers and actually destroy them. So we've been very concerned about um, that portion of it. But yeah, it's uh, it's a great tool, and we wanted to make sure that we kind of told everybody that we had them out there and that we're using them. So, what do you think um, is is behind that? I mean, did this relate to the pandemic? Did you see a, a spike in these like freeway shootings and those kinds of crimes? Is is there something else going on? Is there a trend there, or do you think that uh, things are about the same as they were, you know, five or ten years ago? So we didn't see a lot of freeway shootings at the time um, before the pandemic, uh, but we're continuing to see them at the same rate after the pandemic. So um, I don't know if the pandemic was the start of it. Uh, I'm sure that there's uh, a lot of scholars out there with the long beards in the college classrooms that are going to be looking at this for years and years to come to kind of look at it. Um, but we've also seen it not only in, in freeway shootings, but just in crime in general, right? Uh, there seems to be a new 
uh, me society instead of a we society where people get upset for the littlest things. Uh, you know, down in my in my district, we've heard about people that actually um, been shot over a burnt piece of chicken on a barbecue. We've had people shot on the freeway because they uh, failed to let somebody in. But we've also seen crime increase across the state. And, you know, this isn't just a Michigan problem. It's a nation problem. Um, crime increase everywhere from uh, I think everybody's seen the photos of shoplifting problems, right? Not comparing that to shootings or anything, but it kind of escalates from there where, you know, people in the West Coast area will just walk into a store and clean it out. And then you, you never saw that kind of stuff before. So I think there's something going on societally between that, maybe a little bit of social media, uh, maybe a, a lack of respect for others that we're kind of seeing as we go along. Um, that's all tying together. And may, was the pandemic the, the start of it? Uh, uh, that's not up for me to really say. No, but I think you're, you're, there's ample evidence that social media has played into that that anger. Um, it's you know one of those great contradictions. Something that's supposed to make people better connected seems to make this less connected and uh, you know less less concerned or caring about our our fellow humans. Um, that's my editorial statement, I guess. So. Um, Tell me what you think about you mentioned, um, you know, shootings because somebody wouldn't let somebody in. Um, do LPRs help with with road rage cases as you investigate those? Um, it makes it a lot easier because sometimes uh, let's face it, if you get into a road rage incident and there's really nobody that. um just ignores it. Right. And that's our number one key of advice. If somebody gets mad at you, flips you the bird, does all that kind of stuff, just don't, you know, engage with them, go about your business. But uh, sometimes people just can't do that. Right. They get upset, too, because they think they're in the right. And that's the bad thing is everybody always thinks they're the best driver in the world uh, until somebody actually confronts them. on that. So, yes, we find out, you know, trouble like that all the time to where the people that are involved in it may not get a license plate, but they may get a description of the car or we may get a tip. You know, somebody may call in and say, hey, I saw this incident and it was a, a red Jeep or, you know, uh, there's a different kind of car to where we can go in there and look at that time frame through those license plate readers and get all the red Jeeps that go through there. And again, just an investigative lead. That doesn't mean that every red Jeep that throw, shows up there is the one that's involved, but it gives detectives a place to start, to start to eliminate suspects of these and, and hopefully get down to the person that actually committed the crime. Well, if anything, when you talk about, you know, protecting the innocent um, by being able to nail it down, not just by the description of the vehicle, but with the actual license plate, that probably eliminates a, a needless visit to somebody's house for an investigation or, you know, questions of somebody just because they had a red Jeep, right? A absolutely. So um, I think it's with all technology, right? You know, there's always a human factor to it. So we got to be careful as, you know, police agencies, we have to set proper policies because we don't want anybody to end up being falsely arrested. That. For, that is just the worst thing that could happen. So we want to make sure that we have the ample evidence to support that. It's the same with facial recognition, right? There's no such thing as a false 
positive in facial recognition. What it is, is a detective that didn't do their job. They got an investigative lead and then they went out there and instead of investigating it, they just went out there and arrested somebody for it without even looking into it. And later on, you find out that person was in another state or something like that. So um, it's a great tool to use, just like, you know, I'm, we're, we're, there's too many uh, CSI and true crime stories out there. Uh, absolutely. We use your cell phone too, right? If we can get you in a geofence area of, of a crime and your cell phone's going and then that matches with that license plate reader and then somebody picks you out and, you know, facial recognition helps it, it all gets to that final stage of being able to prove beyond a reasonable doubt that somebody committed a crime. And when you talk about these first being implemented or rolling out slowly, you know, 10 years ago or so, I got to believe the technology's gotten even better. I mean, how can they so accurately capture a license plate of a car going 80 miles down the freeway? Yeah, they uh, that's uh, that's way out of my wheelhouse as far as the technology of those certain things work. Um, but, yeah, they uh, they go through there. And, and I think, too, it's important to note um, the only thing that they capture is the actual license plate in the back end of the car. So I know there's been some uh, folks out there that have said it gets your face and all that stuff. And that's just not accurate. That's all it does is get a license plate in and the back end of the vehicle as it goes by. And then after 30 days, it flushes out of the system. So it's not even kept by um, the, the reader any longer after those 30 days. So uh, we've gone through a lot of work to make sure that these systems work very well. Uh, but yet, you know, the, the public is still protected because everybody worries about their privacy. Um, the Supreme Court has already ruled or the court system's already ruled that there's no expectation of privacy for your license plate. So, you know, that kind of takes that part of it out of there. But we also want to respect others and we want to make sure that we're using them properly. And, you know, hopefully we'll we'll solve these shootings. We'll re recover, you know, kids before something bad happens from Amber Alerts and, you know, silver alerts as well. Uh, there's as Michigan's population gauges in age. Uh, we have a lot of people that maybe are going through the beginning stages of Alzheimer's or dementia and end up driving around. And these license plate readers also help us locate them as well. So it's it, it's an excellent tool to use for a lot of different things. Well, that's a really good point. I'm glad you underscored that that last point because that that is that is you know a, a factor, something we all have to wrestle with. Because you're right, Michigan's population is aging. There's plenty of documentation on that, and uh, a whole commission actually looking at that. Please stay tuned. We'll be back with more talking Michigan transportation right after this. The Michigan Department of Transportation reminds you that when a vehicle collides with another vehicle, person, or other object, it is a crash, not an accident. By reducing human error, we can prevent crashes and rebuild Michigan roads safely. You know, city councils and other government bodies have uh, adopted ordinances and legislation around the country. Um, they've talked about some of these same things. So I think it's it's really important to underscore, uh, you know, all those points that you made about and, and dispel that myth that this is about facial recognition because it's not. Um, do you see this, you know, growing uh, you, in touch with your your local uh, connections uh, that, you know, sheriff's departments and police departments across the state? Do you see uh, this use? You know, it's something that's going to just uh, keep on building. Um, it will uh, across the country, uh, talking to different, you know, state police agencies, highway patrols, uh, counties, uh, locals. Yes. So um, 
one thing to make sure that we always tell people is there is no facial recognition on license plate readers because there's no face to recognize. So there would be no sense to put that technology on there. Uh, second, um, that's very interesting that people don't realize is there's a lot of private entities that are using license plate readers from casinos uh, to big box stores to neighborhood watch groups that are going to these companies and buying these license plate readers uh, to deter crime in their neighborhood. So not only is it being used in, in police work, um, it's also being used by private entities. Which you know, they have every right to do that on their private property, right? So absolutely. There's no no crime at all about that. And uh, I'm sure they would say if you're unhappy about that, then, you know, don't come into our parking lot or whatever. Um, but I, I don't believe that it's anything to be afraid of. Um, as long as police agencies are using them the way they're supposed to and there's some type of punishment that's given to those that are not, um, it's a great tool to keep people safe here in the state. So let's talk a little bit about what you're seeing with crashes. I, I know you did some interviews recently, and uh, I guess the good news is that crash deaths on Michigan roads are, are down a little bit from this same time last year. But uh, the bad news is that there have been more serious injuries and probably more crashes overall. Um, you know, we thought as people returned to the roads after, you know, after the height of the pandemic uh, that hopefully that those those crash numbers would would decrease but people still seem to be speeding and following too close and and i don't even know if if seatbelt use has has returned to where it was and, and that is the saddest part is uh I, I think the worst part of my job and i remember every one of them even though uh i'm not that trooper on the road anymore i'm more into you know the the command level is there is nothing worse than going to somebody's home to tell them that they lost a loved one. Um, and there's really makes it even worse than that if it was preventable. Uh, so we need to really start talking about these crashes. I mean, we're still at 700 right now. Um, could you imagine if we had 700 gun deaths in Michigan a year? Or if we had 700 um, people that died from overdoses in fentanyl, uh, the media and the public would be at an outrage, right? For some reason, uh, society is accepting the fact that we've lose, you know, seven, well, what was that, 22, over a thousand, over a thousand people we've lost in preventable traffic crash deaths. Preventable. It's They're not accidents. It's not, oh, that you know, that would have happened. Um, somebody or some buddies did something they shouldn't have done behind the wheel, which resulted in the death of somebody. And they can all be eliminated if we drive the speed limit, if we open up those following distance. Don't drive distracted. Be um, nice. I'm, I'm, people laugh at me all the time because I talk about that. Be nice. Be nice to your fellow drivers. And we would be able to prevent a majority of these crashes. Well, I'm, I'm glad always that you put that emphasis on crash over accident, because I, I think that that little thing is a, is a fundamental way of changing the thinking. And you're right, because we accept uh, these road deaths and we would never accept, you know, a, a plane going down with 700 people. Um, there would be there would yeah. be mass outrage in congressional hearings. Right. So <laughs> how how is it that we've become numb to it? Yeah. Um, and, and that's the, the hardest part about it is. 
you know, for, for me and for you and anybody that's in communications or, you know, talking to the public, um, there, there's nothing anybody can tell me. I mean, uh, I get the all the time. Is there anything better that you could be doing than pulling people over as a state trooper? And absolutely there is. But unfortunately, I have to do that because while we talk about prevention all the time, it's not working. So there has to be some enforcement that goes along with it. So um, I get it from a certain reporter all the time in, in my area. Um, why are you guys wasting your time with traffic enforcement when there's more serious crimes out there? Well, that's why, because we're losing a thousand people in Michigan a year to preventable crashes. Preventable is the, is the right word. So. You you referenced your time on the road, and uh, I don't know if we talked about that much before, but give me a little bit of your career trajectory and and uh, and how it is after you know several years with the the agency that you maintain your your passion. I mean, I, I really appreciate how much you care about this and how much you care about public safety, and uh, talk about how that's come to be. So um, I started in 1995 out of the the hardest recruit school that we ever had in the history, the 112th Trooper <laughs> Recruit School. Uh, so uh, after that, things just got easy uh, after we all graduated there. That's what everybody says in their recruit school. Um, I, I grew up in the Detroit and <laughs> South uh, Detroit and Southfield area. So I grew up in Metro Detroit. Uh, when I graduated from high school, uh, I went into the to the army. I went into the military. I spent 11 years in the military, uh, but I wanted to. I always wanted to be a state trooper because my grandfather was a state trooper, and he. Oh, uh, nice. He uh, he. Uh, <laughs> some say brainwashed, or he uh, convinced me that that was the career field that I wanted to go into, and I never remember being uh, wanting to do anything else uh, in my life other than being a, a Michigan State trooper. So. Um, I started at the Carroll Post because back then you had to go 100 miles away from your hometown. We've kind of changed that now uh, due to the way that, you know, a lot of people are coming into the department and second careers and, you know, their spouses already have a job and they don't want to move 100 miles or 100 miles away from where they're going. So they kind of changed that. Um, but I wanted to get back to Detroit to where I grew up and make a difference in my own community. Uh, so I, I transferred down to the old Northville post right before it became uh, Metro North. Uh, and I've been in the Metro Detroit ever since. So I've served as a trooper, a desk sergeant, uh, assistant post commander, and in 20, uh, section commander as well. And then in 2013, um, I was tapped on the shoulder and told that we were going to start uh, a public information program. And uh, I, I had no experience whatsoever in, in that role. And I kind of I kind of just got into it and, and here I am today. But I, I think it's important that we have people in state government and in policing um, that talks to the public um, and common sense. Right. And we, we can all talk about the approximately in the, you know, on this thousand block and, you know, the perpetrator and all that kind of stuff. I, I think people want to hear from their police departments, uh, no matter what level it is. They want to know what's going on in their communities and they want somebody that's a straight shooter. And um, it's got me in a little trouble every once in a while. But uh, I, I think being a straight shooter is uh, the way to do it. And and I know that uh, we could prevent these traffic crashes if we would just use common sense. 
and personal responsibility. I mean, we have to be aware of the fact that we are responsible for what happens behind the wheel of the car. And that's that's us. I always say the the person that's uh, caused the problem in that traffic crash only needs to look in the rearview mirror and they would see the person that caused that crash. Yeah, well said. I, I yeah, again, I appreciate your passion and your plain spokenness. And I think that's uh, that's important because it's it's authentic and you you talk from the heart when you talk about these things. So thanks, as always, for taking time to do this and help educate the public on, you know, on these these technologies that are going to be involved in in solving crime and law enforcement and also what you're doing in in terms of safety and trying to to deal with, uh, you know, this, these crazy speeds that uh, that have continued and uh, should concern us all for sure. Absolutely, because that's one thing we're all doing, right, is we're, we're driving on these roadways. So we all, it affects us all in one way or another. And I always hear the people, well, if I drive the speed limit, then people are going to pass me or, you know, it, it's like getting run over. Well, if everybody just started doing it, then those that are actually causing the problem, um, those that have no regard for other people, they're going to stick out like a sore thumb and then we'll be able to deal with them directly. But uh, the thought process of, well, I have to do 90 because everybody else is, uh, doesn't make a heck of a lot of sense. Yeah, again, well said. Well, thank you, Lieutenant Shaw. I really appreciate it. No problem. Thanks for having me. I'd like to thank you once more for tuning in to Talking Michigan Transportation. You can find show notes and more on Apple Podcasts or Buzzsprout. I also want to acknowledge the talented people who help make this a reality each week, starting with Randy Debler, who skillfully edits the audio, Jesse Ball, who proofs the content, Courtney Bates, who posts the podcast to various platforms, and Jackie Salinas, who transcribes the audio to make it accessible to all. 